Welcome to Park City Church. You're listening to our weekly message, where we hope you'll be inspired and encouraged to know and follow Jesus and welcome and serve others. Thank you for tuning in. Our scripture today is Luke 24, 6 through 12. He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you, while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all of these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. How many of you, so as we step into our reflection on uh, this reading from Luke, how many of you guys have played Wordle? Any of you? When I say Wordle, how many of you are like, I have no clue what you're talking about? You don't have to admit that to everyone. All right. Yeah. Donnie's, Donnie's, he's like, I will embrace it. I don't know. So for uh, many of you who don't know, many of you do already, it's this free game that uh, a, a friend developed for a friend during, I think during the pandemic, uh, where y- you're given sort of uh, five blanks, uh, letters, uh, spaces for a five-letter word. And you have, what is it, six attempts? Is it six attempts to, to figure out from nothing what the correct, oh, five attempts, what the correct uh, word is, right? And as you go, you're just guessing randomly. You guys are like, we know we play. I actually have only played like twice, but um, uh, right? You guys know that uh, as you guess, if you get the right letter in the wrong spot, it's one color, right? And if you get the right letter in the right spot, it's another. And the the, the aim of the game is to do better than your friends, right? Uh, I mean, to get the right word, sorry. It's just for fun, right? Um, I, uh, I could tell because some of you guys have played, right? Uh, I, I, I want to just sort of, I want to invite you to hold that experience, whether you've played or not, uh, sort of in the foreground of your mind as we reflect on uh, the Easter story this morning. I, 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 I kind of want to use it as a metaphor for life. Uh, I don't know what your experience in life is or what faith has been, but I, I would imagine for many of us, it's a lot like sort of just trying to get the right letters in the right spot in the right amount of time. Right before time runs out, we just want to get it right and uh, as efficiently as uh, we can. And so uh, we come up with all sorts of means and techniques and life hacks, all kinds of things. Those pictures of whatever that five-letter word is and ought to be for us. You know, we 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 work so hard to get them in the right spot uh, in the in the easiest method possible. And uh, I, I want you to kind of hold that feeling as we look at uh, the story of Easter morning in Luke 24. Uh, so, so a little bit differently this morning, we read the first 12 verses, but uh, there's like 40-something in the chapter. I wanted to read them all, but it's Easter, and thought maybe I should take it easy on you. Uh, but I'm just, I want us to just kind of sit with the story as a whole um, and uh, just kind of walk through uh, and look at it through the lens, please forgive me, of Wordle, Right? Uh, Right, so I feel like on the pages of this story, it's clearly about Jesus and the resurrection. But as Luke tells us the story, it's it's also about the disciples trying to make sense of this experience. And I think we see sort of at the beginning of our reading, the first attempt. The first attempt to kind of put all the letters in the right spot. 
uh, verse 1, but on the first day of the week at early dawn, they, being uh, the, the women who were disciples of Christ at this time, went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. All right, so 23 ended uh, right here, that, that these same women had followed uh, uh, the procession to where Jesus had been buried. They had seen the tomb, uh, his, where his body was laid, and they went home to prepare spices and ointments. So where 24 picks up, Easter, uh, they now have returned to the tomb to, uh, to really walk through burial rites. Right, right, they are there, so they're trying to make sense of what's happened with Jesus in their lives, and the best they can tell, he's dead, right? Uh, the best sort of sense they can make of, of what is happening, their experience of life at this moment is they try to sort of put things where they belong. I mean, they are there with spices to cover the stench of death, right? Uh, that's what they bring to this Morning, And of all the disciples in the picture, really, they, they're the closest to getting it right in, in terms of their faithfulness and the, the story of their discipleship. But even in this moment, like we know, because we've read the end of the story, right, that uh, still in this moment, it may be some right letters, but they're in the wrong spot, right? They're here to just sort of cover over, like grief they know and understand. This is, a, this is an experience they know, and, you know, it's, it's come upon them earlier than they expected with the, the person whom they had followed, whose teaching had changed their life, and, and yet here they are having to deal with it. Grief is something they know they are there to cover over the smell of death. And then we read in verse 4, right? They, uh, uh, things are not as they thought they would be. Right? They, are, they are met, uh, they are perplexed at the tomb being empty, then they are greeted and given some instruction, and, and, and we're told that there is fear and trembling as they hear, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, he is risen. So this first attempt, you, you feel uh, just the range of emotion and, and experience in, in this moment. Grief and death, they know, they've come prepared for that. But now things are different, and the, the reaction they have is, is confusion. They're perplexed. They're uh, then afraid. Now they're sort of given this supernatural experience. They're afraid. Uh, all emotions, I think, maybe we know in our own journey of uh, our own, I don't know, wordle journey through life, right? But, but let's consider the second attempt, all right? So we're just kind of walking through the story here. So it starts with, with these first disciples, these women. But then Luke tells us the second attempt, the women go to the other disciples and relay the message. They, they tell the story of what they found and what they've been told. Verse 10, now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, the other women with them. They went and told these things to the disciples. And then verse 11, whew, but these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them, right? So here, attempt number two, right? We've sort of put the letters in place. It uh, doesn't really work. Attempt number two, man, this is nonsense, right? This is just, this is a fairy tale. This is an idle tale. You're just prattling on, right? Like the, there's a sting of disbelief here, even sort of discrediting the, the people who have brought the message. Like, what, this is frivolous. Why are you telling us uh, these ridiculous things? And so here again, the disciples trying to make sense of what they've been told, and their reaction is, is, a, is a kind of almost feels scornful sort of disbelief. Don't come at us with these idle tales. Man, we are really grieving. The guy we've given our life to for the last three years, did you just experience what we experienced? Don't come at us with this kind of story, right, this idle tale. And so you, you feel their uh, emotion. 
But then Peter, I love it, man. Peter's all the time getting singled out and, uh, you know, props to that guy, right? So Luke tells us here, Peter, uh, Peter hears it. He's among that group, but then he gets up and he runs to the tomb. And Luke doesn't really flesh out the motivation for that running. I, I don't know. I, you know, I want to think like, yeah, he's just excited. Oh, he knows how this is going to work. Yes, resurrection finally. But my hunch is like, no, because we see sort of a fuller version of his story in other gospels. He's still really confused too. Right, why is he running to the tomb? I don't know, maybe he's afraid. He's like, oh man, the guy I just like denied and disowned is like back. Maybe there's a bit of like, uh, uh, I don't know, like yes, wonder, but also uh, fear or uh, concern. Well, what does this mean for me now? Right? Our second attempt, I don't know, letters are just kind of all over the place. Maybe they tried your technique and just a random word full of vowels to see what would work, right? We have confusion and perplexity. We have uh, fear and worry. We have disbelief and uh, idle tales. And we have uh, curiosity on the part of Peter. But what drives that curiosity, maybe we don't know. And then the third attempt, which we didn't read this morning. So Luke moves out of this moment. So we have the women. We've had this group of disciples. And then he moves to uh, another couple of disciples who are walking on the road. They're, they're, they're leaving uh, town. And uh, they're walking along the road, and Luke pulls us into their conversation. They themselves are trying to make sense. They're trying to put the right letters in the right place to make sense of what has happened in their lives. And in the course of their conversation, Luke tells us this in verse 21. As they're chatting with a stranger who has joined them, whom we know later to be Jesus, they don't know this. And they don't recognize him. They're walking with him, telling him their grief, their, their shattered expectations. They say in verse 21, we had hoped, and we had we had hoped that he was the one, that he was the one to redeem Israel, to put us right. Besides all this, he says, they say now it's the third day. They can't even find the body. People are telling ridiculous tales. Uh, and here in this moment, attempt number three, the disciples around the resurrection. In this moment, it's just, you can feel just kind of all the shattered expectations. Right, that this journey isn't going how they thought it would go, these disciples on the road. And once again, man, it's ugh, I'm running out of attempts here, right? I'm approaching uh, the last line. If I, if I don't figure it out soon, I'm not going to uh, get it. And then we move uh, to a fourth attempt. And in this instance, again, Jesus himself shows up to that crowd of disciples with whom we started shows up in verse 36, himself stood among them. And verse 37 tells us emotions we've already encountered. They were frightened and startled and shocked. And then a couple verses later, as Jesus tries to explain to them, okay, this is what's happening. Let me help you make sense. I love this beautiful image in verse 41. Uh, and while they still disbelieved for joy, so it's like they want to be happy, right? Man, this feels exciting, but I just, it's almost too good to be true. And Jesus' response, which maybe it's a conversation for another day, I love it. He's like, oh, that's awesome. You guys got anything to eat? <laughs> right? And I'm sure Luke includes it for some specific reasons, but it's a beautiful moment. Uh, um, you, you know, it's not the only time. Uh, earlier in the story in Luke, Jesus had, had, had worked a miraculous work in a little girl that everyone around said was dead, and, and he wakes her up, and, and uh, people are like, what's going on? And Jesus is like, get her something to eat. <laughs> right? Like, man, I, I can appreciate that. Um, but here in this fourth attempt, he's with them, 
He's explaining to them, and still, it's awfully hard to place, awfully hard to make sense of what exactly is going on. I, I want to make one other observation about this story that we, we have sort of like passed over, you know, just the main plot points of all these attempts to make sense of the resurrection, wordle style. But Luke, Luke gives us one other detail almost at every point along the way. And, and it's, he's careful to point it out at each attempt. Uh, and it's this indication. Well, I'll just read a couple. So the, in the first sort of appearance with the, with the women around the tomb, uh, the, the message they're told is, remember how he told you. Like, remember how he told you. And then they remembered his words. And then uh, a little later, as he's walking on the road with, the, with those, those couple of disciples, and beginning with Moses, this is Jesus, he explains to them, remember Moses, you've been reading Moses, you follow his teaching, remember Moses and the prophets. Jesus interpreted them in all the scriptures that they, that they were pointing to this moment. They were about uh, him. And then where we landed, Jesus with them, asking for food, <laughs> breakfast maybe, probably cinnamon rolls in my sort of imagining of the story. Um, Jesus says to them, these are, the, these are the words, my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. Remember, he says, that everything written about me, the law, the prophets, the Psalms, which we've been praying here at Park City, they must be fulfilled and they have been fulfilled. He says, that's what this story is. That's what this moment, this experience of cross and resurrection. What Luke, I think, is telling us here is that in this moment, right, if we, if we use the lens of Wordle, like, they had sufficient enough clues, right? The colors sort of in their experience of life weren't enough that, you know, man, guys, you can almost hear, like, I mean, right? Guys, right? Ladies, right? You, look at all these clues, right? You've been reading these stories for ages, right? They are about me. Luke, careful to point out that they had some context to make a right decision, to try to put together, at least in some accurate way, who and what Jesus had been. And still, as we've just experienced, they just can't do it. They can't process it. So I, I don't want you to think that I'm just trying to pile on, right? Like, man, can you believe those guys? If we were there, right? If I had been there, especially after the cinnamon rolls, I'd have been like, he's the guy, right? Like, we know what's happening here, right? That, that I'm not trying to pile it on. I'm, I just want to make the case to you this morning that as Luke gives us the story of the resurrection, particularly as it's experienced by the first disciples, what we find is that they are all over the map. That their experience of trying to make sense of the world and Jesus in it, I mean, it's just like picking random letters <laughs> and seeing if they fit. Right? They, they are all over the map. The, the sort of emotional range of their experience in this moment is just sweeping from idle tales to, to joyful sort of disbelief and everywhere in between. And I wonder maybe if that's your experience of faith of Easter Sunday as well. That range of, I don't quite know how to make sense of this story that I've heard. I don't quite know how to put it all together. Maybe this is also your relationship to Jesus. It's similarly scattered I just don't know how to put it all together. I, uh, I had the privilege of doing a wedding this weekend. I know, right? Who gets married on Easter weekend? Don't they know this is like the Super Bowl Sunday for me, right? No, I'm just kidding. They're members of our community, and we love them. And it was a blessing and a privilege. When they're back, we'll celebrate them. But um, 
uh, but we were, we were in the Flint Hills, kind of outside of Manhattan, and I was driving out, and you, you guys who live here, know, I mean, I'm fairly new to Kansas and life in the Midwest, uh, but apparently they do like prescribed burns in the Flint Hills, right? I mean, there was just so much smoke, and their wedding was outside. I was like, do these guys know that they do this, right? Like, it's going to be like, right? Like, I, I don't know. Um, but it, so uh, I was able to sort of get out early in the morning for a, a run uh, on, on, the, uh, on Saturday. And, I'm, and the trail through the Flint Hills, it was beautiful. And, uh, but, but I was uh, out, and uh, the sections had been burnt, just scorched black. And, and sections were still sort of like yellow dead grass. I assume they go green. I don't know. I haven't spent enough time in the Flint Hills. But, right, so there's sections that hadn't been burnt, but they just look dead and yellow. But then, like, uh, sections that apparently had been burned previously as I'm running through, like, just loads of little green shoots of new life, right? And, and, and I wonder if that's sort of an image, perhaps, of your experience of Easter. It certainly feels like the experience of those disciples. Man, in some respects, it's all charred earth for these guys. They're like, oh, we mean that we watched them crucified, right? This doesn't make any sense to us. Maybe it's just dead grass, right? They're like, I'm done, I'm moving on. Maybe as we see in Peter and others, there's a hint of like new growth. Maybe there's something here, joyful disbelief. I want to believe this is true, but I just don't know. And maybe again, that's your experience. I uh, was reminded recently, I think it was Mike Tyson, no Easter sermon is complete without a Mike Tyson reference. <laughs> right, wasn't it Mike Tyson who said, right, everyone's got a plan until you get punched in the face, right? <laughs> right. Um, I, I feel like that was probably the disciples, right? I mean, they had a plan. To the degree that they could, they thought they knew where this was going. And then the cross just punched them in the face. Right? They, they couldn't make any sense of it. And, and so then they're trying to make sense of that. Well, well, at least we know grief. Maybe we're disappointed. Our expectations are shattered. We know how to sort of walk through this. But then it's empty. The tomb is empty. And now they got to, like, process the resurrection. You'd be like, well, I was just trying to make sense of, of that. And now you want me to make sense of, of this, Jesus' death, but now his resurrection. I, 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 I don't know. I don't even know where to start. I don't know what letters to choose to make sense of this experience. Again, maybe that's you. I know it's me sometimes. I'm a pastor. Can I say that? Uh, I'm going to say it. That's me sometimes. Again, I'm, I'm not trying to fault the disciples. I think any of us in that position, I mean, oh, that's a human response. I mean, I, I want to suggest that this is a recognizable form of discipleship, certainly for me, maybe, maybe for you. So where does all of this leave us on Easter Sunday? Right, well, where, where does this leave you and me on Easter Sunday? I want to draw your attention to where Luke uh, sort of lands this particular moment of the story. I'm just going to read it to you. This is not on the screen. Uh, this is after Jesus has had fish, right, uh, and cinnamon rolls, like, with, with his disciples. And now he's continuing to kind of expound and explain to them. And in verse 45, it tells us he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Once again, like, Look, you guys had some context. I'm just saying, right? Um, and then he says to them, thus it is written, the Christ would suffer. And on the third day, he would rise from the dead. And then this beautiful verse, that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning here in Jerusalem. And you, he says, yes, 
you are witnesses to these things. I don't think that's as simple as like, okay, you're a witness, so now you can corroborate. I, I think this is a pointed sort of declaration. You, uh, men and women, who are all over the map today, who have missed all kinds of clues, who have lived the kind of discipleship that we can all relate to, you, yes, you, are witnesses to this forgiveness. Luke will go from here. These are all hints of where he's going to go in his second volume. In the New Testament, Luke wrote two books, his gospel, the story of Jesus, but then he wrote Acts, the story of uh, what Jesus sets in motion, the church. But here in this moment, he calls our attention to this beautiful announcement and tells these specific disciples who maybe like you are just all over the map. You are witnesses to these things. I, uh, I, was, I heard an interview, actually it's a really old interview recently, with a guy named, an author named Michael Lewis. And um, uh, Lewis is famous for, uh, he's written some books you would know. He wrote the book that gave you the movie The Blind Side, right? The story of the football player. Uh, he wrote the book, actually uh, the story of a guy in Lawrence, Kansas, that gave you the movie Moneyball, right? The story of Moneyball. Michael Lewis is kind of the author that uh, told that story. Also, he wrote a famous book called Liar's Poker. Uh, it was popular about the, the movie The Big Short, kind of uh, turns into that movie, The, the Big Shorts, or about the stock market and all these things. And uh, he's a, uh, Needless to say, he's a very good storyteller. And uh, in, in this interview, he's talking about the fact that, like, sort of his M.O. is that he, he just he finds the experts and, like, just tells their story, right? But then people uh, sort of misconstrue what's happening and assume that he's the expert, right? So he gets asked all the questions about the stock market. He's like, well, you know, I'm, 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 just, the, I'm just the voice telling the story. You're asking the wrong guy here. But uh, in the course of that interview for that book some years ago, some old news footage of, of an of a, of a interview with him, he said something that I think was really uh, interesting about his books and the way people engage with them, the stories that he tell, tells. And this is what he said. He said, I've been inundated with letters from people who have treated everything I've written as a sort of how-to manual. Almost as if they can't conceive of a book as anything but advice and self-help, right? Almost as if they can't conceive of any book, of, of any book, of a book as anything other than advice and self-help. I think a lot of times that's how we think of the Christian faith. It's how we handle scripture. It's how we think about the way this, all this thing works. Need some advice. Give me some tips. Give me some clues. Give me some colors that help me know where to put the letters in the right spot. And we pick it up as a story of self-help. I think it's interesting what Jesus doesn't say to the disciples. Right? As Luke gives us the story, Jesus doesn't come into this moment to a bunch of floundering disciples who are just doing their best and getting it all kinds of wrong. Let me tell you how to get it right, fellas, ladies. Man, you know, uh, let, me, just let, me give you, let me give you some tips on how to be a better disciple, right? It's like you missed this, you missed that. Yes, you missed some things, but so let me, let me help you sort of uh, uh, live a more efficient life of discipleship. This is not what Jesus says. Jesus shows up to them in this moment and says, all of this is about one word, the word you've been searching for your whole lives, forgiveness. I know it's not five letters. I really tried to find a five-letter word that would fit, but 
the word you've been searching for, he says, your sins are forgiven. What he says to a bunch of disciples who were all over the map is not, all right, let me help you do it better. What he says to them and to you, the only word that has any power in that moment, your sins are forgiven. He offers a word to them from outside themselves, beyond their efforts, forgiveness. Death is unraveling their lives, right? It is the final sort of attempt. You don't get any more guesses at the word after that, right? If you don't figure out where all the stuff in your life goes before then, you're out of luck, right? And yet Jesus in this moment through the crucifixion and the resurrection says, let me unravel all of that for you and speak a word, the only word that has any power uh, for you in that place and all of your ups and downs and your scattered experience of life and faith, forgiveness. What you and I don't need is a plan to be better disciples. I mean, we could plan ourselves, you know, and that'd be great, but that's not what we need like the folks who walked with Jesus in the flesh, we will inevitably lose the plot. We will ourselves be all over the map. What we need is not a tip for a better life. Do you know, uh, those of you who play Wordle, there's a new Wordle bot, the New York Times. Have you guys seen this? An attachment to Wordle, right? That now it runs, you get ready for this, it's going to blow your mind or ruin the experience for you, right? It's a kind of standardized comparison. This was the write-up to measure how well you did at figuring out the day's puzzle. You're like, it does that already, but wait. And suggest ways for you to improve or compare who did better. Even when you guessed it in the same amount of tries, it's going to evaluate your efficiency, right? Talk about sucking the life out of something fun, <laughs> right? Yes, the author says that's exactly what we need, analytic breakdowns, right? in our experience of Wordle. No longer just getting it right is enough. Can you get it right in the best way, in the most efficient uh, sort of process possible? And I, I think we bring all of that kind of feeling into faith, into discipleship. And the resurrection says to me that Jesus shows up in the middle of all that, says my cross and my resurrection, I'm gonna speak the only word that will set you free from that game. Your sins are forgiven. You're a bad disciple. Your sins are forgiven. You showed up for burial rites. Your sins are forgiven. You disowned me and sort of went your own way. You know, now you want to come back? Like, really, buddy? Your sins are forgiven. You want to believe there's a bit of hope in there, but you're like, it just feels like an idle tale. Your sins are the hope that someone else has spoken a word over you that it is finished and all of your effort to try to find the right letters and put them in the right order it's already been done for you we got stand thank you for listening to the park city church podcast to learn more about our church and or to find ways to get involved in our community visit us at parkcitykc.com or follow us on social media at Park City KC.